Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is the Midweek Pod, setting up for the Iowa State game that's coming this weekend. At night, we get a night game under the lights. We're going to get those flashing strobe lights that are going to put us all into some type of a psychedelic coma. Or an epileptic seizure. Shouldn't they do an epilepsy (laughs) warning before the game? Yeah, no kidding. I I think there's an ADA issue there, but uh, with all the scoring that we're about to do, they better do it. I'm Steve. Lucas. Jay. Connor. Well, let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot going into this game. This is the opening up of conference play at home against a traditional conference opponent, somebody we've been playing for a long time. I think we go back all the way to the Missouri Valley together, and this is going to be the last year and who knows how long for us to play Iowa State again. And one thing that's working good, that's worked good for us against Iowa State all these many years, is defense. Defense is rolling. Who wants to talk about how great our defense is doing right now? Lucas, give us something. I think our defense has been, uh, the turnovers have been incredible. Uh, I think we have eight interceptions already. We're getting getting some push on the quarterback. We we haven't gotten home on too many sacks, but on running plays, we've got a bunch of tackles for losses. Um, Stutzman has been on fire. They're using him pretty well. attacking the quarterback and run stopping and what when the defensive line is getting a little bit of push he's he's finishing it up and I honestly think that if he keeps us up he's got to be a, a finalist in the Butkus yeah that's that's pretty impressive as a sophomore right no he's a he's junior. Junior. He's junior he's junior yeah that's still pretty impressive um from where we've been a true junior to where we've gotten to yeah true junior second year in a totally different scheme totally different regime so that's that's pretty awesome um I'll let the other guys chime in on this too, but I wanted to mention because you said turnovers. You don't get a qualitative stat to analyze how good the quality of the turnovers are. But if we were to grade them, these turnovers are phenomenally good because they are caused turnovers. They're they're not fluky. They're not flukes. They're not just showing up at the right place at the right time. We are causing these turnovers. It's really impressive. A lot of them interceptions, obviously. Um, just just really positive the pressure that we're getting and forcing quarterbacks into bad situations and then being there to make plays on balls and challenge receivers not just to bat balls down contest receivers make it really difficult to make the catch but and make the throw but just flat out taking the ball away from the other team Keith Lawrence has stepped up this year um I think we were kind of disappointed with how he was last year. I was personally down yeah. on before the season. I didn't think he'd see the field. Jay honestly. was going to trade him for the best punter in the country. I, I, mean, I think athletically we all thought he had the goods, but he just didn't seem to be where he needed to be and didn't really get his chance with Broyles and Bowman back there last year. But I think he has two interceptions, which included the one in the end zone last week, and he's got a forced fumble. So, I mean, I, we, 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 we can't complain about And previously, he had missed easy interceptions yeah. before. He would just flat out drop them where it looked like he didn't know that the ball was possible to come at him. And he was not in the right space. And the ball would just flukily come his way and he'd just flat out drop it. Where today, he's doing exactly the opposite. Yeah, Very as Lucas alluded to about the defense, um, we're not necessarily getting home in terms of big sack totals. But the overall pressure is certainly there. We are, we're creating not just exterior pressure from our defensive ends. The interior is getting a push. And really, if you're going to get pressure without a sack, if you can get it up the middle 
and make that quarterback have to pick left or right. It, it limits what side of the field a lot of times that he can go to. And so the, uh, that pressure up the middle is, is pretty big time. And I do think we're getting closer and closer each week to breaking out and really creating um, some more sacks because a lot of teams are doing a lot of max protect and they're getting the ball out quick. But when you start to play better teams, they tend to rely more on we're going to do what we do and make OU adjust to it, and that's not going to work. Yeah, they don't have to do that, and so they, they try different things, and that forces us to do different things, which hopefully can have some success. Yeah, I mean, just full agreement across the board there. I, th- I think one thing that I, I noticed that I ju- I'm just so excited about the broad amount of personnel that we have who can go make plays. And guys, I mean, we mentioned Key Lawrence. He's he's the prime example of a guy that we've all referenced as, you know, in the beginning when he came, he seemed like he could be a guy who was in the right spot at the right time, making those plays for a, re- a really bad Alex Grinch defense. <clears throat> Last year, a down year for sure, in my opinion, uh, where we were all kind of giving up hope on what he could be. And this year has just completely stepped up his game. And, and seeing that across not only the veterans who have obviously learned in this system that they're, they're working under in the past uh, season in four games, um, all the way down to the freshman ranks with Peyton Bowen's probably an exception. That kid could go anywhere, I think, and succeed. But to do it in a, defense, uh, a defensive scheme like Brent Venables and to prove yourself uh, in the early goings to a coach like that says a lot. Um, one last thing I think that I loved hearing this week was <clears throat> about PJ Adebaware, um, Good job. about Venables looking at film immediately after the game, noticing something in the middle of film, not even finishing his own session on the airplane, on the airplane and going up to PJ's uh, position coach, Miguel Chavis and saying, PJ needs to be on the field more. And understanding that it doesn't matter the the class that's next to this kid's name, he's someone who's going out and making a difference and making an impact on the game. So um, I don't know. I'm just I'm really excited, and to be able to say that about multiple young guys, um, it really gets me excited. Not only for the rest of the season on that side of the ball, but just OU's future in general. And you know, there's one player that we haven't talked about almost at all all season, which when you recognize the position that he plays is actually a good thing and that's Woody Washington mm-hmm. yeah he's just doing his job he's just doing his job he's he's everybody's covered there's very few passes completed his side um, the throws that are made his way he's either in such good position that it's super contested or the quarterbacks had to throw it in a spot where only his guy could get it and it's usually out of bounds anyways so yeah when you're not talking about a DB they're playing really really well yeah that's a great point um and usually the dominant DB is the guy that's going to go up against that number one receiver. And that'll be really telling as the, as the course of the season plays on. And we've played some really quality receivers. Not that we haven't, but we're going to go up against some really challenging receivers. I assume he'll line up against uh, Worthy when See, we I, play Texas. I disagree because... You think it'll be different? Well, Gentry Williams is like a track star level keep that sprinter. Speed against speed. I think you're going to have to put someone that can keep up with where they. Well, that'll be really key then. Can he do that? Can he do, you know, can he can he keep his guy completely out of the game and force the because then the safety comes over and helps 
and it really starts to take away uh, uh, advantages that, that you would otherwise find with a really, really um, world-class receiver like, like some of those, like Worthy, that we'll face. And Gentry's got the length that Woody doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, I mean, I saw the PFF grades, I think it was, and Gentry's wasn't that good last week, but he also didn't play a full game. You know, the last couple he had Stinger one game. And um, Walker played a, a bunch in that spot. So the more Gentry plays, the more comfortable he'll get. I feel like he's he's saving a little bit on the back end and mm-hmm. maybe getting beat on this, the this corners and the sideline routes where he's playing a little bit too far off. But I think that'll that'll improve. You know, we did a, a preview video before this pod. Check it out and let us know your thoughts in the comments section. Um, one of the things that we were highlighting was defense, and we were in front of the Selman statue for a reason. And obviously, they're, they're the great ones when we talk about defensive line out of so many great defensive linemen that we've had at Oklahoma. And the defensive line has been playing really, really well. What I look to see now as we enter the midseason, uh, can we get pressure from the defensive line in two respects? One is you've got to think that that Venables and Roof are going to start working in blitz schemes and other things they haven't been able to completely integrate into the defense or haven't wanted to because they're, they're keeping it back for, for better opponents down the road. We'll see a chance or we'll, we'll have a chance to see some of that in the coming weeks. It'll be interesting to see, one, can that defensive line do their job as we're trying to do different blitz schemes? And if those guys in those blitz schemes can execute that frees up the defensive line to be complete disruptors and dominate that line of scrimmage, hopefully continue to just be a absolute stopping force for a run game. People have not been able to run the ball against us, and that's tremendous, obviously. But if we can continue to do that, as well as get lots of pressure on quarterbacks, cause them to have to get the ball away quick or face some real pressure and maybe a sack, that's maybe going to be the biggest telling factor about success that we have something that we haven't seen in so long and in the glimpses of success we saw in the Grinch era it was when the defensive line could get into that backfield and cause pressure and free up the the stress that it causes on your defensive backfield to cover receivers which if they have enough time a good quarterback is going to find somebody well yeah if, if your front four can get pressure and you don't have to bring linebackers or occasional corner blitzes or bring a safety down it changes the entire dynamic of your defense yeah, yeah i mean 140 rushing attempts this season uh we're we're giving up an average of 2.7 yards per rush that's tremendous so, and a lot um, of teams that we've played so far haven't had really the guts to play action as to death because if they try that, the defensive line is getting a push. Mm-hmm. That if the quarterback does hold the ball, we're gonna we're gonna be in on them. And so a lot of the teams have been getting rid of the ball quicker. So it'll be interesting to see when we do go up against a better offensive line, maybe Texas, um, maybe UCF or somebody like that. If they do try to play action, to see what they can get. But also that's gonna open it up for us for more sacks. Well, we're loving on the defense, and obviously they've been doing great. It's not just that we're exceeding expectations or doing better than we've done in prior years. I think it's clear-cut, very, very good play, taking it to a next level. I'm very high on them. Right now we're the number two rushing defense, uh, excuse me, scoring defense in the country. We're a top-five defense. 
overall um, in the lesser categories like yards. We're a top five in efficiency. But let's take a different view and let's get, somebody give me or all of us give us a realist take on the defense. Give us something that maybe is even pessimistic about the defense. Um, who wants to chime in on that? I'll give a shot. Um, I think you can allude to the fact that we're saying it's a positive how much pressure we're getting, but we're not getting home on sacks. And it, I don't want to say we're, we're spinning it, that they're doing max protect and getting the ball quickly, because there are still times where there is enough time to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's not like everyone's just doing a two-step drop and just getting rid of the football. Mm-hmm. So that could be a little bit of a negative if you're if you're trying to nitpick. Um, I think against Cincinnati, we made a lot of stops, but it wasn't necessarily always what we did. They were making mistakes as well. But in the overall picture, when you look at the whole game, the numbers and keeping them to only six points, et cetera, it all looks good. But with slight um, better execution on their part, because I think one of the fourth downs kind of towards the end of the game that kind of sealed the, sealed the game away, um, it went right past the linebacker's hand and I think a safety's hand and went right to the receiver. It, 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 and it yeah. like hit him in his face mask or and something. He it, and yeah. he missed it. Could have been caught. There was a lot of traffic in his way, which means our guys were in the right spot. But, but technically, he could have caught that for a fourth down conversion. Right. To continue on. Well, there were the two of those. One of them was an interception that we made. That was us, us disrupting and the balls bouncing around mm-hmm. a lot. But it And it ends up in our hands. But a receiver actually put his hands on the ball as well. And a, a really good receiver can catch that ball. And it could turn the composition of a game very quickly. Other realist takes on the defense? Level of competition could be the other one. Yeah. Um, we really haven't faced an offensive juggernaut at all in the first four games. Uh, SMU had some definite opportunities to score some touchdowns, um, especially in the first half. They could have yeah. tied it up going into half and mm-hmm. didn't. Um, same with the last game. Uh, we had the, When was it? Did we have the interception right before half? Yeah, yeah it, it was pretty close to before half. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, we, that yeah, would they made got it, one if they had more scored on that drive. Would have been ten to ten going yeah. to half, right? Yeah, very different game. But that was the um, Key Lawrence interception yeah. in, in the, the end zone. zone. Now I think they were throwing it. I want to say they were like the thirty-five or something. So they yeah. weren't. And it was the third. They down. weren't right on the doorstep. Right. But, um, yeah. Le- the other the other scenario would be level of competition is why if you wanted to nitpick this defense. I think those are legitimate points. I've got some. I don't know if Connor has anything, but I, I would say two things. Uh, one would be the interceptions that we're getting. While I'm very complimentary, I really like the fact that we're creating these interceptions. They don't have to come your way. Are we relying on the luck factor that is, is in every turnover? And if we don't have those, can we get the stops when you're just going to get a stop? When you're going to stop them and tackle them for a loss or tackle them for a minimal gain and get off the field. Um, we're definitely doing that sometimes, not all the time. The other would be the mistakes the opposing offense is making. SMU several times missed wide open receivers mm-hmm. and in several cases a wide open receiver dropped a ball just flat out dropped a ball Cincinnati had a couple of those not so much with Tulsa or Arkansas State but back to Lucas's point the level of competition speaks to that so you you can't assume that you're going to get every break or even most of them in fact we have to assume 
with officiating, we may not get our share of breaks. It may go um, maybe 60-40 or more against us in terms of breaks in the course of a game. So you got to make your own success for sure. Are we to the stage where we can actually make that success and count on it and not rely on the game-changing type of turnover or just absolute mistake and drop by the offense? You could point out uh, some of us not getting to the quarterback are just flat-out open holdings that aren't being called. Yeah. As we as we did the post game last week, I think I had six or seven really bad officiating calls. You know, the some of them were on offense when they were pushing our guys down and and not getting called, but plenty of holdings not called. Mm-hmm. Just like we saw last season, we only had one the entire season, which mathematically is impossible. Um, it's not impossible because it did happen. But I know what you're saying. <laughs> mathematically, if with good officiating, it's impossible. <laughs> and so far this year, um, we've seen a few instances of getting around the edge and our guy getting dragged down and not getting a call that that could be another reason we're not getting home so i could wear on us too. it'll be interesting to see what happens ou versus texas because the refs are going to be down on us both so that could be a bunch which of flags, traditionally to me no could be biased but man i feel like for years we've been getting held like crazy in the texas game i, I feel like oboe got held 15 times yeah. in the one game by himself yeah yeah yeah, in 17 or uh, you know, one of the 16, maybe. Yeah, it, it. we definitely have, I don't know. I, I can go back for decades and talk about bad calls in the Texas game or what seemed like it. And that can wear on you if you're a defender, you're trying to get to the backfield and you're getting held time and again. It can unconsciously work on you and that you're slowing yourself down, thinking it's a self-doubt. I'm not going to try for that. I'm going to do something different which is not what the coach wants you to do, and you don't even necessarily want to do it, but you're thinking there's no point because this guy's going to hold me. i got to try something different, and all of a sudden you're not contributing and doing your job. So that's a concern for sure. Not necessarily a realist take, maybe a realist take on the officiating. Well, let's transition to offense and and talk about what we think about the offense. I would say... um, well, let's talk about the fact that we ran a poll today that was comparing uh, Dylan Gabriel to other transfer quarterbacks that have had uh, a varying degree of success. So somebody have that pulled up real quick where they can tell us who those quarterbacks were. We had, uh, we had Yeah, I can just read the poll real quick. All right. uh, thinking, about current, <clears throat> thinking just about current ability as a quarterback, how many of these four quarterbacks is Dylan Gabriel better than? Bo Nix, DJ Uyagalile, Jackson Dart, or Sam Hartman, and Sam Hartman. Um, Poll-wise, you had 10% saying Dylan Gabriel is better than zero of those quarterbacks. You had 45% say that Dylan Gabriel is better than one or two of those quarterbacks. 17% saying DG is better than three. And the most crazy number, in my opinion, 28% saying that Dylan Gabriel is better than all four of those quarterbacks mentioned. So just preface it with, we have nothing against Dylan Gabriel. We support Dylan Gabriel. We think Dylan Gabriel is a really good quarterback, maybe even a great quarterback. He's the kind of guy who could lead a team to a lot of victories and maybe ultimate victories. But we have our concerns And some of it relates to play calling, some of it relates to coaching directly and player development. It's not just about him, but it's about what we're seeing on the field. I 
personally answered one or two. I think he's only better than one or two of those guys. I think that a couple others are actually playing better than him. What did you guys think, and what are your, what's your view? That's what I voted as well. Um, Hartman looks to be the real deal. Notre Dame ended up losing to Ohio State last week. but Mostly defense and only having 10 men on the field twice. Yeah, that doesn't help. Although they only scored, what did they score? Seven, what was the final score of that game? 17-14. 17-14. 17-14? Wasn't it? 14-10? Uh, 14-10. No. 17-16 no. No, no. or something weird, wasn't it? Well, we'll look it up. Oh, Connor's looking going. it up. Um, no, because I had to kick the extra point because yeah. there was one yeah, second. 16-14, the then 17-14. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. I think you're right. So, um, that's not a very good offensive out- output, but Ohio State does have a good defense. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of veterans still on that team. 17-14. And DJ Ugalele, or whatever we're calling him this week, because his name changes weekly, kind of like <laughs> PJ out of Aware. But, uh, you know, he kind of stunk it up in Clemson and got got supplanted. And then he's at Oregon State now and has looked phenomenal in his Against games. what we know is not a tremendous group of talent around him. Yeah. And then uh, Bo Nix, I thought was horrible at Auburn. Yeah. And he's kind of resurrected himself in Oregon. A lot of that could be play calling and obviously the talent, talent level, the, the, the teams are playing and the fixing to play in the Pac-12 aren't as good as what they would be in the SEC. And who is the fourth quarterback? DJ? Jackson Dart. Oh, Jackson, Jackson Dart. Dart. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he transferred from where? USC? From to, USC, to yeah. Ole Miss. And he had a heck of a year last year, I thought. And for some reason, Spencer Sanders decided he was going to go be a backup, which is baffling to me. But uh, Ole Miss girls, I think I think one or two of those we would we would rather have on the team. I would take Hartman and probably Bo Nix over Gabriel currently, based on what we've seen. Based on what we've seen, but I mean, as we as you said, he's still a really good quarterback. I just don't think he's elite. I said one or two as well for basically the exact same reasons as Lucas did. I think right now Bo Nix is the better quarterback. Um, Hartman, definitely the better quarterback. I think DJ uh, Uyagalale and Dylan Gabriel are almost on the same exact plane as one another. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Oregon State football this season, admittedly so. Uh, but from what I saw at Clemson and assuming he hasn't changed too much since those days I would say they're very similar um, well and he's underperformed because yeah. he was the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school huh I do remember that that's yeah. why he underperformed so much at Clemson well, was, it was I, just shocking I think he was a I think he was a Heisman favorite going into one of the last couple seasons uh, or at least might have been last year a front runner one of those times so I don't know it's it's an interesting poll what'd you say Jay I agreed I, I said one or two I really wanted to go with more just one. Um, one by itself wasn't an option. Uh, he's, you know, I think I've said it several times on here and had pl- plenty of uh, Twitter beef the last 48 hours. Yeah, you've, with, been, you've been fighting the fight. With Sooner fans, Sooner faithful. Uh, Is that reminiscent of something that we were talking about several years ago? When we were saying, I think we were some of the early people to say Spencer Rattler was showing weaknesses and Spencer Rattler wasn't the real deal that we needed him to be even though we supported Spencer um, you know we we had our I think we had aesthetic or whatever you want to call it beefs with Spencer at the time that DG doesn't have 
Spencer was a little full of himself, and I think he's come down to earth, and I really respect the fact that he has matured a lot and it has left some of that behind. He was in a difficult situation. DG does not face that. He doesn't have the you're a superstar and even though you haven't proven it type of mentality. But we were early to the Spencer Rattler might not be the answer. And we took a lot of heat back then for things we said about that. And now we're here we are again, kind of sounding the alarm bell and concerns about Gabriel. And I think we're taking a lot of heat. Tell us a little bit more about what you're hearing on Twitter. Well, yeah, and to those who, you know, disagree with us or disagree with me personally, um, it has nothing to do, like you talked about, with Dylan's character. Uh, he's a team-first guy. He seems like a really good person. Um, I'm appreciative that he decided to come here with Venables and Levy, and he knew the situation he was getting into. We needed somebody immediately oh, we needed somebody that has so badly. experience. And I'll be the first one. I would absolutely love to eat crow. Oh, me too. On this whole Dylan Gabriel talk. No, I want to. And he leads us to a Big 12 championship and playoff berth and maybe a playoff win, etc. I mean, all four. I'll take all the heat anybody wants to send me on Twitter for this. I'll literally eat crow. Yeah, literally. I just we'll catch one out here. I got the trap. I'm just concerned. Because I do care so much about this team, and I want to see us get to where we want to go. He just has limitations. And he's played so much football that I, I think, I wonder if uh, the, the occasional fan looks at him almost like a young player. Who's just give him more time. Because he's only two. He's, he's going to keep year getting better. Right. But this is his sixth year of football. At the he, collegiate level. Yes. He is what he is. Well, and so many of our fans, so many of our fans uh, wear those crimson shaded glasses and refuse to take them off. And I've been in that position. I mean, I talked about it in the post game. I, I was in that position in 2021 when. Yeah, I say the whole year. When I was we in talked a- about it. And I was finding every reason to create false positives and create shades of of crimson out of things that just weren't there. And And, and, and in fact, my homerism, I'll speak to this, um, little uh, self-criticism, when Caleb Williams came in, I was not critical enough of the fact that he was saving us with his feet and with some other heroics and actually getting bailed out by great catches by Mims, among others, where he was throwing a lot of balls up that were 50-50 balls. I mean, remember Revisit his century. Yeah, that that strip to get a first down, it was an incredible play at the time, but the further you get away from that, holy crap, what a play. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was unbelievable. And then you look at things that he was doing that were just mistakes. In Lawrence, just not being able to to get production where he needed to. We saw him be really young in our first loss. I mean, you saw him look really young in Waco. I mean... And we were all there. And we... Yeah, it was... It was a str- that game was a struggle, and he struggled against Oklahoma State in a loss. Um, even though we probably should have won that game, but for a bad officiating call among many in the same game, um, he he threw a lot of bad balls up. He, I mean, even in the Texas game where he has his Superman heroics, some of those balls are just not great throws. Just Marvin Mims comes down with the ball in an amazing way. And I think that I was talking to a friend today, um, and he actually sent in a listener question we can get into later. Um, but 
when I'm when I say I, I would prefer Jackson Arnold right now over Dylan Gabriel, it's not under the assumption that Jackson Arnold's going to go in and be this perfect savior of a quarterback. I think he is a freshman. I think he is someone who will and would make some freshman mistakes. But at the same time, I think the competitiveness that he brings, the athleticism that he brings, the quality of his passes and just his overall quarterback abilities that he would bring to the table outweigh the risk aversion and the tentativeness that we see from Dylan Gabriel on a weekly basis. I mean, we talked about it at dinner that the play that I sent you guys where Dylan Gabriel's rolling out to his left and he has three receivers within his line of sight. Right, um, stacked together. Stacked together, all almost within a line. You have a Stogner, a Farouk, and an Andre Anthony. And Stogner and Farouk are pretty much wide open, if they, not wide open. They're wide open. To go and get, get to the sticks to get the first down. Andre Anthony is covered heavily by three defensive backs. And I don't need to say it, guess who Dylan Gabriel throws to? And it's not any of the. T- it's not either of the two guys that are wide open to get to the sticks. It's because they were in the middle of the field, nearly so, a pick. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just I. I don't know. I. I, I Which I unfortunately is Iowa State's weakness, the middle of the field. Yeah. Well, that that and that sort of, I don't know. It gives us a chance to talk about what else is weak on on offense a little bit. Our concerns. It while it's centered on the quarterback, it really ends with Levy and the pre- play calling he's dialing up the things he's telling his quarterback to do and the things he is or isn't seeing in what his quarterback is doing, including limitations, and what potentially could could open up if he were to play Jackson Arnold. But it's also the line is not opening up blocks. They're, they're blocking for pass protection is great. Their run blocking is very poor. Our running game is very poor. Our running back by, I don't know, random lottery or whatever's going on is not working. That's giving me a lot of concern. I'm seeing us not have any kind of consistency there or game plan. It's where we thought going into the season have just a, uh, a ridiculous amount of talent and potential there. Strength. And strength that we're not utilizing it in any effective way. It's like we're trying to squander that one way or another, it seems. Uh, I don't see the development there yet. I hold out hope, but I don't see the development there yet. So all of these things, to me, become pretty big concerns. I mean, this is one of the first years going into the season that Beanbow had his starting lineup. Previous years, he was always, well, we got these two tackles and the center. We're kind of switching out guards and see what we're going to do. We may move a guy from guard to tackle, you know, due to injury, but these are our five guys is kind of a new concept for Beatonbow going into a season. So we all assumed, hey, he's already got his five guys. We're gonna be we're gonna be stacked. It's not gonna take the, the usual four or five games. It's not gonna take the games. usual four or five games for everybody to to gel and start dominating the run game. And here we are going into game five and What's our longest rush of the season? A twenty-yarder? We haven't no, had thirty-yarders. Thirty-yards. Yeah. No, I thought we haven't had a twenty. We, no, we, we have. We've had one. We have one run yard. above twenty. Yards. Everything my, else. If you looked at my PDF, I said. When you look at when you look game to game, thirty in the next nineteen. Like, I think this guy had a nineteen-yard run. This game, previous game, a different guy had a sixteen-yard run. Um, it's it's just not there. And no rhythm. Not not that you're expecting sixty-yard touchdowns all the time, but it's really surprising. And maybe it comes to 
the receivers aren't doing their job down the field to once they get to that second level. But it's also that I think the, the receivers the, are blocking just fine. That the guys are only getting five yards of, of open running at the most because the offensive line push isn't there. Well, we gave a realist take on defense because we're so high on defense. So I want us to give an, a homer take on offense, being that we're, we're so relatively negative on offense. So let me start it off by saying a few things. Um, if I were to give a homer take, I would say, one, we are used to phenomenal levels, record-setting levels of offense with Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. We should be a little bit more patient about what we're we're seeing and recognize that we're seeing success. We're 4-0. We have a guy who's being mentioned nationally in, in the Heisman race, even though he's not obviously not a front runner. He's completing a high percentage of his passes. He is our quarterback, and he chose us. He chose OU. We should rally around the guy that chose OU, and, the, and he obviously is demonstrating leadership. We know we have strength at running back. Now we know we have strength at receiver. We have a lot of weapons. Time has proven with this coaching staff, as well as those who have been in the prior regime that are still here with us, they get things going throughout the season, and we get better and better. The running game develops. The, the offense gets stronger. Now we have a defense that they can rely on, and maybe that's a little bit of what we're doing is we're relying on the fact that we've got this defense. Um, we're taking it slow because we can. Maybe they know that we're good enough that we can take it one step at a time and they're integrating what they can do versus let's show them what we got because what we got is, is everything and from here to the rest of the season that's all we're going to get and yet we're going to see us take it to the next level let's be patient let's be let's actually be appreciative of the fact that we're 4 and 0 and we we're seeing the I mean how many teams would kill for an offense like we've got I'm, last time I looked we're a top 5 offense statistically in offensive efficiency we're top 5 even adjusting for the fact that we haven't played really tough competition same thing can be said defensively and yet we're we're lauding that group so maybe, I don't know, the homer take is maybe we're just being too critical because we are a little spoiled with what we're expecting out of offense. Who else has a homer spin on our offense? I think a homer spin could be we've seen guys running open deep and they've been overthrown. <clears throat> maybe he's playing at home this week. He maybe feels more comfortable in our stadium than on the road where he missed some touchdown throws last week, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah, he um, did. Tulsa, he missed one or two uh, deep balls. But last and week, guys in stride. last week it seemed like we could have easily had two more touchdowns if he just gets the right amount of air under the ball instead of he throws some of these or balloon, finds the over, over he throws these balloon balls up and as opposed to a better trajectory. You know, I don't know what the degrees of the throw are, but. He needs to bring him down a little bit to get more pace on the ball, as opposed to. So the homer take is it, it is homer take it doesn't is, take a lot of correction right. to be on the. Mark. We have receivers that are getting three yards open on their guy on the fifty-yard passes. They're just not getting there in the right amount of time. You know what we call distance. that on this podcast, right? What is it? I think it's fixable. It's fixable. It's fixable. He's close. He's close. So on a homer take, we do have open receivers deep that aren't quite connecting. And then we also have plenty over the middle in the 15 to 20 yard range that he hasn't seen very well so far in the last season plus four. But 
maybe maybe it comes around and maybe the offensive line scheme is a little bit different where he has a better passing lane and can see those. So the opportunities are there to be had. So that would be a positive. My homer take is similar to Steve's, but on a different topic of the offense is in the run game. I think patience is going to pay off. I think that room is too deep with talent to continue to underperform the way they have. And to the analysis that Steve sent today, we are on a similar trajectory as we've been in the past with the run game and establishing that number one back at some point within the next two to three weeks. Um, When we've had a question of who should be that number one guy, I feel like in the past it's been the games before, around, or even um, in the Texas game itself where those guys come out and, and show that they are the guy. Yeah, because this time last year, all of us openly on this pod thought that Marcus Major was looked like the better running back than, than Eric Gray. We were and, a little frustrated he wasn't getting the ball, but Eric Gray had a great season and gave us all the production we wanted. And two examples that I, I'd like to think back on is Damian Williams, um, who unfortunately made some mistakes and didn't get to finish a lot of the playing that he could have done at OU, um, and Dominique Whaley who had an explosive bust-out game and then unfortunately got his, uh, his time cut short due to an injury against K-State uh, following that game or a couple games after. But um, regardless, I think these are the games, and, and if it's not Iowa State, if it's not Texas, it could be after the bye week uh, against – who do we have after the bye week? I think UCF um, after the bye week. So I, I'm confident that – that room is going to get better. I'm confident that we're going to find the one-two punch that we've been waiting for um, in guys that are going to make a consistent impact and then hopefully even go a step further and find the guy who I think is Toei Walker as the closer to that to the, to the offense at this point or to the, to the run game. Yeah, my homer take is maybe a little bit of a stretch because I don't feel like being a homer for the offense. Um, <laughs> Maybe we are just experimenting with what kind of runs we want to use, what blocking scheme we want to use. Um, And maybe we're just going to look at the numbers, look at the film, and then decide, are we a zone running team? Are we a gap running team? Do we want to pull our guards? Do we not want to pull our guards? Um, Who runs better? Like if we decide to be a zone running team, which back is best suited for that. Um, So maybe we've had the luxury of having a fairly easy schedule at the beginning of the season, the defense stepping up the way that it has stepped up, that we have that luxury to experiment with our run game. That's my homer take. Well, I have one more homer spin on it, maybe the ultimate homer spin. So, last time that I believe the last time we had a left handed quarterback, that we were early season in his second year, we were sputtering a little bit and not completely impressive. And we went on to win a national title. And that was obviously Josh Heupel in the 2000 season. Those first few games were not, 
as good as we wanted them to be, even though our expectations were relatively low back then, and we were very appreciative of what we had. I remember we had to unveil some sort of trick plays against Kansas to put that game away going into the Texas, what ended up being a phenomenal 63-14 to victory on the you know, road to red October success following that was obviously a national title. So maybe we should just be patient, and we should wait to see them develop. We know that DeMarco and, and Biedenboe are proven coaches in this area. They have proven their ability to get the running game going and make it productive. We have seen great production out of this offense. We've seen Dylan Gabriel lead us to great production. Last year, we lost quite a few games because of defense, not offense. The offense did everything they needed to do to win games. Yes, we had all of our criticisms with so many things that the offense came up short, but at the same time, they put points up when they needed to. So that would be my ultimate homer spin on all of that. But let me, let me transition then into... Um, what I think is another sort of optimistic, potentially um, optimistic Homer take on a question, and that is with Brent Venables canceling the coordinator interviews on Monday and saying that it's just going to be him or you're just going to get access to them post-game, is he setting up a quarterback change? Being that the idea is he is making it where they're not raising the question that they should be raising in the media to directly to coordinators such that if they make a change they can honestly say this is something they've decided to do not something that was inspired by questioning um, and so they they open themselves up to have it be their decision or are they just preventing the distraction of the quarterback question or maybe it's something else. Maybe we should just take it at face value that they're busy people and he doesn't want to occupy their time with with the the, the press conferences on Monday morning or Monday afternoons. What do you guys think? I mean, they're letting the media have better practice access than they've had in the last, I don't know, decade probably. So they're being able to pull players to the side after practice and scrums and talk to each other. So it's so out of the realm of possibility that Jeff Levy couldn't walk over to some reporters after a practice on a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever and, and, and say, hey, you've got 10 minutes, guys, go ahead. This isn't a I time agree. issue. This is, this is junk because they know that there are people, even though the people Jay t- are talking to on Twitter about Dylan Gabriel's amazing and why are you guys complaining, um, they know that there are level-headed people out there like us that do have questions about maybe Jackson Arnold should be getting some more playing time, and they don't want Levy to have to answer that on a consistent basis and and put doubt out there to the players. Well, that's but even it, that's easy. That or the other. That's easy to brush off, though. I mean, even if, if he was asked that directly, you can coach spin that. And yeah, I think that's why – I think, Jay, to that exact point is why I think the whole shroud – and taking this, the media availability away on Mondays, is it's annoying because I think it's an opportunity to see two of the faces of what this team is um, taken away from not only the media but the fans. And that's something I've watched on a weekly basis. But being someone who's watched it on a weekly basis, I'm getting the same version of every single answer every week to every question. You could ask them, we could ask them a night and day different question 
and I'm gonna get a variation of the same exact answer, regardless of how hard that question should be for them to answer and how much it should challenge them to really think about what they're going to say and how they're going to word it. It turns into the exact same coach speak that we've criticized and Lucas, especially you've criticized since Venables has gotten here. Um, and that has obviously trickled down into his staff. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, you, what, what else are they gonna say in a lot of these situations? But I do think, I do think taking the opportunity away from the media to ask the questions is a little bit unfair. Um, especially with the guys who we perceive as decision, main decision makers for this program. Well, they need to create success. content for their livelihood too. You know, yeah. even yeah. though it is coach speak most of the time, like you were. And it's not to. just the Dylan Gabriel situation. I think a lot of it is the running back rotation. People are really questioning, and everybody's questioning that because yeah. it's really strange to have these two guys go the first game, and then you got the other two guys going, and then you got these two guys going again. So, is it going to be? Barnes and Sawchuck this game. I mean, and Barnes got a lot of carries and a lot of production in that first game, even though he didn't start. Obviously, Sawchuck didn't play at all. He had more carries against Tulsa too, so it was and, like the first game and yep, the third game. Yeah, but and now the fifth game. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but it's maybe allowing them to sidestep having to answer those questions. I asked um, Eli if anybody had asked that question about the rotation in the post game, and he sent me a. Uh, some script on it and and it seems like Lebby is the one that decides which running backs in there not DeMarco because as a position coach I didn't know if he was fully in charge of uh, this package these guys I thought, go I in. thought Eli we're talking about Eli Letterman I thought I think on his podcast he said that it is DeMarco making that decision the, the thing he sent me it made it seem like it, it was, was Levy. Levy. That's, well, that's, that's, that's where heard. it's become an yeah. honest question that we would like to see answered one way or the other. Who's making this decision? I feel like if I was the offensive coordinator, I would be telling my position coach what players I would want for what play. Well, and we go back to, I mean, Venables answered the question this week and even in his post game, um, And he said it boiled down to how they practiced. I don't know how much of that is... A lot of it's practice. Yeah, a lot of it. And, yeah. But then he, he doubled down and said practice again in his Tuesday presser yesterday. So, um, again, I don't know, like, is that just a challenge to say, hey, Barnes and Sawchuk, we, we want you to be the guys, but you're not... We talked about it at dinner. You're not earning the right to put on the crimson and cream and, and go out there and get the amount of snaps that you think you want or deserve. Um, I don't know. It's... It's interesting to me. I, I, it's been such a mind-numbingly frustrating thing to see um, with the talent that we have back there and not seeing us get going. I but mean, since we're winning, I've got to trust the process. You know, you can be a little more cavalier with that, but if you have a loss or a second loss, you cannot afford. No matter how much you want to run your program a certain way, yeah, you have to get the more talented players on the field. Yeah. Now, you don't want to reward people for not trying all week long in practice. I understand that. I get that. But they can't be doing that lackadaisical, well, saying, right? How, they can't how, be. They can't just be. Just for as much as everyone is saying, every everyone in the program is bought in. Like if if everyone is bought in, how are you going to tell me that what we see as our two best running backs are 
are not practicing well enough to even get a snap in the game. Yeah, what are they doing? Or 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 meaningless snaps. I mean, one 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 carry for Sawchuck in the prior game, um, and then some time on the the kickoff return. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm a little frustrated and, and confused by that as well. Now, now, Connor, you had a listener question. I got the post game quote right. Oh, there. Yeah, go for Give it. For the he quote. said, um, "Running back rotation." He says, "Marcus really wanted him to be able to get in and get a rhythm. He had a really good week of practice, and I wanted him to have the bulk of the carries today." This is Levy. This is Levy post game, Tulsa or no, Cincinnati. He was able to do that for us again. Took care of the ball. We've got to be better all the way around talked about it earlier but it's not just the running back or the o-line it's the tight ends the qbs it's the wideouts it's everybody as a unit being able to go perform in the running game better and then they asked will the running back rotation going to be week to week and he says yeah we'll see as we move forward as what as we see what we're going to do on tape understand we're playing and then how these guys practice every week and we'll create the opportunity it just it blows my mind because it's like at what point does it translate to say hey Austin Sogner you're great at practicing but when I go and I watch game film there's no way someone is sitting there and telling Austin Sogner he's doing an exceptional job. Yeah he cannot be grading out well. So I mean I it it has to there has to be some line that's drawn to say thank you for putting in all the effort during the week to lead up to the game I just do not think you're going to be the guy who's going to be making plays for us on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's a good, a really good point. Um, listener question, what do you got? Yeah, no, it's actually a really, really good transition, um, and it's straightforward. This is from Carter, a uh, longtime listener, um, supporter of a lot of our views that we've had here. Uh, but he simply asks, is Marcus Major a good running back? That's a good question, Carter. Um, you know, it's something that we've wrestled with, obviously, and been a supporter of Marcus Major now going on several years. Um I'd like to think that he is, but when we compare him to the other running backs, I don't know if he's the cream of the class. I don't know if he's actually the, the best on the field among those that we have actually to choose from. Um, now, I don't have a, a, as much of an appreciation for or recognize the little things he's doing potentially in terms of knowing the plays being in the right position as well as making the blocks and pass protection and other aspects. Maybe he has great effectiveness and maybe the best effectiveness in running his wheel routes and other things when he is in a passing scheme that, that he's going to be the dump-off route where the other guys are just out of position just enough to say this is a problem and, and we, we need a guy who's going to run this exactly the way we want it. But as far as running the ball... He doesn't look to me to be the best running back. Is he a good running back? I think he is. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, for me, what's strange is um, he's got a good physique. He, I mean, I he's, he's, say, he's a good-looking player. He looks like someone who could go play in the SEC. The problem the is position. he seems to get tackled easily, like way too easy for his physique. Doesn't break tackles. Yeah. His physique looks like he should go down as – uh, how, how do I word that? With a difficulty that Tawee Walker goes down. Yeah. Like, yeah. it takes to, two guys to the Walker, level. sorry. Tawee yeah. Walker gets hit or gets wrapped up and you think he's bundled and he, he slips fighting. right out of it and he gets, you know, four to seven more the legs yards. Keep working. So he looks like someone who should be able to run like that. And I agree with Steve where 
I, I think from a pure running the ball standpoint, I think he's good. I don't think he's what we've had. I love seeing Marcus Major catch the ball out of the backfield because he does seem to find a way to get into space, and then once he's in that space, using it effectively to get positive yards. And, and ha- he's had some big plays in space, I think, catching the ball. I mean, SMU is a good example, and he had a couple last year where he was uh, out in the flat catching the ball and, and doing something with it. So um, overall, I will say he's a good running back. I don't think he is a, the caliber of running back that we would expect to take OU you know, to that other level, and, and even, even more so the level that we've been at in, uh, in recent years. Good question. Thank you, Carter. That's a really good yeah, question. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, let's talk about a little bit uh, the focus on, on Iowa State and what to watch for, and boy, we're centering right on one of my first things, which is running game. Where are we? Can we establish a running game? Can we effectively run the ball do we see us figure out who that starting running rotation is going to be the primary the secondary and who is the true backup maybe who is the closer I'd love to get back to the idea that we have a a true closing running back that can seal a game off in the fourth quarter Um, it'd be interesting to see if that is a Tywee Walker who he's a senior right Uh, he's a veteran in the system for sure he is yes would be an incredible closer it'd be a great closer so I'd like to see us get there. I'd like to see Dylan Gabriel hitting receivers in stride. Uh, obviously hitting open receivers, that's, that's a must. Hitting guys deep on deep routes in, in a fashion that gives them a chance to get the ball and no one else, but actually connecting with them, but also just hitting receivers in stride, crossing routes, out routes, shallow post, everything. I, I'd like to see the, the hit the receiver in the stride because we have so many weapons at receiver that we need to see them with the ball in their hands in a, in a way that they can make the first move and get to yards after contact and yards after catch. What are you guys watching for in this game? I'd like to see Farouk get the ball more on some of those wide receiver screens because he's proven that he's so jumpy, if that's the word, that when he gets the ball with even a little bit of space, he makes guys miss. And he's really good even after – getting hit down low, keeping his feet, and being able to keep running afterwards. We're talking about screens that we have set up where we actually have receivers on his side to block. Yeah. Right? Not these swings where (laughs) he's the only one who's on that side of the field and is expected (laughs) to make three people miss. And for as much as we've talked about Stogner really being ineffective in the passing game, it seems like he misses one or two blocks a game that it's just him versus a linebacker and we're throwing a swing pass or a jet sweep to receiver that if Stogner just blocks his guy, it's a 10 yard gain. Plus whoever knows what happens afterwards. Um, Blake Smith has proven to be the better pass catching tight end with limited chances. Really? Uh, I, I really would like to see some more get back to throwing to tight ends on third and fours for for seven or eight yards or you know red zone situations um i just don't know if it's in lebby's offense that we don't utilize that as much but last year Braden willis was that guy and i don't think any of the tight ends right now we have are that athletic ability that he has but some of it should be able to be to happen what are you looking for jay 
Oh, man. I think we just need more consistency just in general, offensively. Um, you're going to have to take what they give you. Um, Heacock is the the king of the of the rush three, drop eight. They keep everything in front of you. I do not expect many, very many down the field passes. Um, they're weak over the middle. Their, their linebackers are young. But that's also not our strong suit. And it'll be interesting to see if, if we can dial something up that takes advantage of that. Um, I don't suspect that we're going to run it very well this week. Like, I don't think we're going to have a post-game pod where we're just excited about the, the run game and looking forward to the future. Uh, not that we can't improve. It's just not going to look improved even if it is, in this game. If they're rushing three, why aren't we going to be able to get any rushing yards? Because they all are facing forward the whole time. Like, they don't they don't have any of this man coverage stuff, so they just converge very quickly. And But that shouldn't that open, like, seven to ten yard it runs? It looks like it. Like, when they line up, like, if you just, if you just took a screenshot of yeah. two seconds before the, the ball is snapped, it looks like we're going to have this – ton of room to run on this team i mean you got someone lined up right over center you've got you've got their ends are way up over here over the tackles you look like you have this massive this spot to run but they're very effective at how they run their defense and they pursue from from all these different angles because everyone's facing the play right no one's got their back turned to anything so they rally well they're a bunch of try-hard guys, right? Just um, undervalued players out of high school that have spent years in the system developing, so they all know it well, and they, they just rally and tackle well and keep everything in front of them. It's hard to really exploit this Iowa State defense, which is why so many coaches from around the country, you know, go spend the part of the winter, part of the summer of their picking this guy's brain on on what to do. So from off the mystic side, if we can run the football and move it this Saturday, I mean I think ultimately sky's almost the limit for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think uh, this actually we're we're hitting on all these points and we had, I had another listener question come in around what what's it going to take uh to expose this Iowa State defense and make sure we can run away confidently heading into this this Texas week, you guys are hitting on all the main points. Jay, I like a lot of a lot of yours. Um, you know, we're getting a different look with this Iowa State defense that we don't see often. But overall, I think there's an opportunity to to gain some optimism because of the quality of this defense that we're going up against. Um, and if we do have offensive success, what that could mean, not only going into the Texas week, but what it could mean going into the the back half of the season um i i think with the rush three it presents an opportunity for dylan gabriel to show some poise considering our pass protection has been so good he should be able to sit back have time and and regardless of everybody looking towards the towards the play in front of them um finding holes in that defense to be able to what we expect as an OU offense to pick them apart. Um, so I really want to see that. I really want to see some some working over the middle in in the pass game. And then obviously, I mean, we've we've said it 
and I'm going to repeat it, the run game. If we can get that going um, and we can put up points that don't feel so hard to put up like it's felt recently um, That's what they against want. decent teams, I'm going to feel... I'm going to feel good about that going into the OU Texas. That's what's frustrating with the the rush three drop eight that they execute so well. They want you to nickel and dime down the field. They want you to get bored. They want you to not have any fun. They want you to make a mistake. They want you to slow the game down, right? Less possessions, all et cetera. I mean, we've had um, two Heisman Trophy winners struggle to beat Iowa State. A Heisman Trophy runner-up struggle be Iowa State they just defend us well and it seems to be regardless of who's at quarterback and who's offensive coordinator I'm looking at last week's stats and OSU had five and a half yards of carry so they're not a very good team no. they were on the road in Ames and they averaged five and a half and a carry. weak offensive line I yeah I think we should expect six or six and a half yards of carry in this game personally because if OSU can do that to them why can't we if they're giving us a three-man front absolutely we just haven't done it. Yeah. We you, we should expect that against Arkansas State. You should expect eight right. yards of carry against right. Arkansas State. Right, and we did probably have, I have to look, I think we did have about six yards of carry against uh, against Arkansas State. We should definitely have production. I would say another thing to look for, what to watch for, would be defense getting off the field. Defense getting us more possessions by, um, obviously, if they can turn the ball over, but if they can just get what we have five and a half yards four, of carry. four and a half four yards and a half carry against carry. Arkansas State oh, not good um, so if we can just get uh, uh, the if we can make good decisions on offense if we can get off the field on defense we should have a lot of success if we can put them in a position where they offensively are not a threat and then we can put them away what I worry about and it, so it's a threat or an opportunity can Gabriel make the right read to, to hit the right pass at the right time, they're going to give you a lot of these safety valve shots. And he seems to like the safety valve. The safety valve could be something that, that they're happy with. If we're having to pass into the flats and, and look to the running back dump off and just settle for three yards, they're going to be very satisfied with that. So it's either hit the open pass deeper down the field, even if it's six, seven yards down the field, or make the running back miss someone, hit them soon enough that they've got the ball in space, that they can get the six or seven yards, we're in good shape. If they get the ball late and they can close on us and stop us on a second down where now we're looking at third and long, that could be really trouble for us. I mean, Iowa um, won 20-13 versus Iowa State. They had 29 carries as a team for 112 yards, which is 3.9 yards a carry. In one of those rushes, they got 59 yards on one rush. Mm. So basically, they had 28 carries for 53 yards the rest of the game. And wow. I think, I think, you know, to what you were saying a minute ago about them wanting to be able to slow down the game, in the past, that has really scared me because to Steve's point about getting off the field and us needing to do that, we haven't been able to do that against mediocre teams against the Kansas States, against the West Virginias, against the Iowa States, where the game plan was centered around get OU's offense off the field, and we're going to slow this down and create as few possessions as possible to get out of this game. Like what teams are doing to USC. Yeah, and if we are in it at the end, 
we're going to toss it up and then we're going to start taking shots. Um, and that's how we've gotten beat in the past. So something to watch for is, is our defense maintaining that success of getting off the field. But then that complementary side of the offense not just immediately giving Iowa State the ball back where our defense is performing well but gets burnt out, and then we are in a dogfight dog in the back half of the third quarter and all the way into the fourth. So it is important to get off the field as the defense, but I want to see our offense take care of business on their side so that our defense is working for a full successful four quarters as opposed to getting those tired legs um, that we've seen in the past. Well, in fact, I'll look at just isolating the running backs themselves. We average just the running backs when you take out Gavin Freeman, the jet sweep, the, the really big explosive plays that we've had. Against Arkansas State, we only averaged actually 3.9 yards per carry, a little under that. In the first four games, just pure running backs, not quarterback play, not the jet sweeps and the other things. For just running backs, 4.3, 4.4 yards per carry um, just out of running backs for the, through the first four games. We've got to be better than that down the stretch and hopefully better than that against Iowa State, especially if they're giving us a – a defensive scheme that threatens um, to stop everything against the pass and really dares us to run the ball successfully. We've got to take advantage of, of whatever they're giving us and and get it where we can get it, however we can get it. If And that's really comes down to Levy making good calls as well as Gabriel executing well. And if we can do that, I think we'll have success. And one last thing before we get to locks of the week or whatever next is, uh, the punting game has mm. got to be better. If if they're going to slow us down on offense because we can't run the ball very well or they're bracketing so much on the receiving end and we're going to have to punt, we've got to be better punting. It, it has been terrible the first couple games of the season. We've had too many shanks. Um, he's, there's not enough height on the ball. It's It's been bad to me, and that's something that – can determine wins and losses when you're talking about, you know, close games. And it's a marginal thing you've got to do. I don't do know how well. close this game's going to be. We're going to have our picks here in a minute. But that seems like something that has to improve. Field, position, field position last week was a really oh, big deal. It was, it was, it was a really horrible. big deal. And with a quarterback, and, and especially in an environment, and I'm maybe not looking towards this week as much, but you get Dylan Gabriel pinned inside the 10-yard line on the Texas side of the Cotton Bowl because we can't punt the ball well enough but we're still getting stops on we defense never can flip the field. we can never flip the field and it's taking an immense amount of effort to be able to do that a whole half right is yeah, spent i mean with poor field position. you are you're tempting fate every single offensive yep. possession very true and and all of that is is what it takes to win and when you win and you're executing effectively then you're a lock and so that, that's a good transition into the locks of the week. The realest deal, locks of the week. So let's talk about the locks of the week. We are, as a group, hey, I'm going to celebrate it. We are 32 and 28. We are 53% against the spread. Boom. Now, who's, who's, who's doing their, their, you know, pulling their weight and who's not? Well, I'm not. I'm at 40%. I'm not doing so well, so I'm going to turn it on. Um, Connor is a little bit better. He's actually right at the, the group average of 53%. Jay and Lucas, 60%. They're doing great. Last week, I was 0-3. Connor was 2-1. Now, Jay and Lucas, they, they, they weren't as great. They were 1-2. and two. 
but as a group, I, like I said, we're 53%. So let's turn that all around in a positive way, and let's get even stronger. Uh, I think we're going to be a lot better. Jay was a one and two last week. He wasn't? I think he was. No way. I don't think so. No, I think he was. Well, I'll look it up as we as we go. Who wants to start us off with the locks of the week? I'll go first while you're looking that up. I have, for week five, Tennessee minus 12. You're right. Jay, Jay was, yeah, it yeah. was better. Jay was 3-0. and oh. that, that's Connor and Lucas were 2-1. and one. I was 0-2. I was yeah. looking at the wrong week. You were 0-3. Yeah, <laughs> I said 0 and 3 for me. Yeah. You, you just said 0 and 2 though just now. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Sorry. I was well, one of them didn't. The guy count. that's really good at math is one of them didn't. One of them didn't count. <laughs> I've got Tennessee minus 12. Uh, James Madison minus three. That was a little out there. They're playing the all right the stalwart South well, Alabama. What's their mascot? That's a good question. I think they're the Colonials or something <laughs> yeah, like it's, that. Yeah, something is that patriotic, right? right? Okay. Um, but they're playing the stalwart South Alabama squad that that went into Stillwater and, and rocked them, I think. And then I've got Memphis minus three and a half. That's against Kentucky? Nope. No. Um, well, that was last week. I've forgotten already. Well, that's all right. You got them. So. Jay, what do you got? I'm going to try and keep this going. I'm going to go with the... Uh, the theme, I don't know if I should tell my secret or not, but I'm going to take Duke at home plus five and a half. You told us your secret against last week. Against Dame. Notre Dame. And I'm going to actually go with Ole Miss at home plus two and a half against LSU. Okay. And I'm going to take the, uh, yeah, I mean, I might just have to do it. I'm going to take the mighty Iowa State Cyclones. Oh. Plus, what is it, 20 and a half? Yep. Against Oklahoma. Interesting. Connor, what do you got? So, as a group, we are not going to be as good next week because I've got two of the other sides of Jay's picks. <laughs> I've got LSU minus two and a half against Ole Miss. Um, I think LSU kind of is putting it together a little bit after that disappointing loss in week one against Florida State. I've got Notre Dame minus five and a half against Duke. I think Notre Dame bounces back in a pretty big way. I do not think Duke is the real deal, uh, regardless of the 4-0 record that they have. And then finally, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on this Washington train. Um, they've looked the most dominant, uh, maybe in all of college football uh, through four weeks, five if you count week zero. But they didn't play that week. But um, they've looked really good. They're they're minus 17 and a half against an Arizona Wildcat team. Well, I went way off script because I've got to change something up. 0 three last week, or 0 two, as I like to say. Um, I've got. Uh, um, is it Michigan, seven and a half against Central Michigan? Am I looking at that right? God, what am I writing down here? Hold I don't on. Think that's right. I don't think Michigan. No, right. Michigan against Nebraska. Nebraska. Seventeen and a half. Well, that's not the pick. Hold on. <laughs> James Madison is the Dukes, by the way. The Eastern Dukes. Michigan. Eastern Michigan. Seven and a half. I wrote it down on the sheet this wrong. This has been a disaster of a segment. It has. It has been. So. <laughs> I'm 0-3 no matter how you look at it. Eastern Michigan, <laughs> 7.5 against Central Michigan. Illinois, plus 1 against Purdue. 
and Louisiana, that is Louisiana Lafayette, plus 11, um, going against Minnesota. So they're going to take it to the the week and half of the of Big 12, team. out of conference. You'll have to text me those scores and let me know how you did. I will. <laughs> I, I definitely will. And it probably won't be great. Memphis has got Boise. No, it's going to be a 3-0 week. Memphis has Boise. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be a 3-0 week for you. Well, I hope so. I need, I need you to up Jay's 1-2 and two that he's about to go and compliment it, my 2-1. and one. You're 2-1? and one. That's At least it's a wash, you know. If we yeah, can do in, that. in the in the grand scheme of things. Well, let's set all that aside and let's focus on the OU Iowa State game and 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 talk about our score predictions. That, and I know I know everybody's score prediction, so um, I'll say we do have uh, two homers, and a realist and a real big pessimist on this on these scores. I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off. OU 42, Iowa State 10. I think that the OU defense holds Iowa State to a touchdown and a field goal. I think that OU gets it rolling. Dylan Gabriel makes us all look foolish and puts 42 points on the board. And so I've got OU 42, Iowa State 10. Connor, what do you have? I'll take the other side or the same side of your homerism. I've got OU 45, Iowa State also 10, same as you. Um, and honestly, <laughs> for a lot of the same reasons. I think I think we bounce back. I hope I, you're right. I, I I'm laughing, but I hope you're right. <laughs> no, I think uh, <clears throat> this is this is the beginning of something beautiful, as they say. Uh, Jay, what do you got? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still dreaming about our score in the 40s. Um, I'm going 27-10. Oh, you. All right. I so think we're going to struggle. So that is two two field goals that we're settling for. I thought probably. we struggled more last week than I thought, but it was it was about it was a touchdown or so more than a or ten points less than I thought we'd score. But I knew we were going to struggle. Um, I think we're going to continue to struggle. This Iowa week. State is not good at football. I know that I know that Matt Campbell is this or or whomever his DC is. His name. But we have me. problems with. Them. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm not saying that we're not. I, I do feel like though. In years past, ever since that 2017 loss, I have been nervous going into this game. I do not feel that way this time. I feel like I'm not nervous. I don't think we're going to lose the no, game. No, but I, like, but, I think a but whole even what lot you're saying, has to like, go even, wrong but for us. Even to lose what you're this saying game. in terms of the struggle and everything else, I've worried about struggling in the past. I've worried about this game going into Texas before. Um, that game for me was Cincinnati this last week, where we came out on top. I think we get to you guys's point totals defensively where we get short fields or defensive touchdowns it, if, so you're saying if we're right it's because the defense yes. has put us in a position yeah and I, I contemplated raising my score for those reasons I don't think they're going to move the ball very well I wouldn't be surprised if they scored three points this game well um let's talk to someone who would be surprised Lucas what do you got I've got OU 27 17 so OU does win. They OU just wins by far. It's don't a cover. tighter game. I I feel there's a big mistake coming on the offensive side of the ball. That will either be a scoop and score, fumble for a touchdown for Iowa State, or maybe a pick six. I think that's how they get to 17. I think our defense does its job and keeps them around 10. I don't have faith that the offense is going to run the ball as much as a three-man front should allow you to run the ball. Uh, we're averaging less than four yards of carry this season. Um, it's not very good. And I still don't know with that kind of 3-3-5 bracket type 
nickel defense that they it's run. A, it's a 3-5-3, three, three, so they have three high safeties. What which they run all the time. I don't know that we'll be able to get the deep ball in for some quick scores. And I think it's going to be kind of a, like, like they take possessions away. It's going to be a slugfest. I want to see Jacquez Petaway play so badly this week. I want to see him sitting down like on four-yard little outs or four-yard just sit-down routes where he's catching the ball and getting 12 yards. Same as Root. And, yeah, so, I mean, you have to oh – my God. You but, have to hope that we see something in that. We have annihilated Gabriel for doing all the three- and four-yard passes from – I mean – the no, I'm, annihil- I'm annihilating Dylan Gabriel for doing the three or four line. yard passes that are dump offs because he can't make a read for a receiver that's down the field when they're open. Right. If guys are covered down the field and your option and your best play is to do that sit down route or something that is short that's going to get you yards after the catch, by all means, take what you can get and go score the damn ball. Take so, what you can get with the playmakers who can make a guy miss and punish them for giving us the open route that if they make the stop, it's a short gain. If they don't, it is a punishing 15-yard first down, and we're rolling. So last year, it's 27-13, final score. One of those was a fake field goal touchdown by OU. That's right. Um, the year before... Deep, deep in the red zone, though, on the three-yard line. Just true. The year before that, it was 28-21 where we were lucky enough to he just overthrew Kolar, I believe, for like a fourth down conversion with 30 seconds to go in the game, like at the 10-yard line. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. Um, let's see. The year before that. Like we won by like 10, I think. No, well. The year before that, it was. We lost. Uh, oh, no, that's 2020. Yeah, we lost in 2020. 27-21. So. I mean, am I, am I making so it we effort? haven't gone over thirty points against Iowa State in five five years. Probably. And then the year before that, we lost thirty seven thirty with Baker. Lost and I, I think I think Venable said the Doesn't, last three times that Iowa State has been to Norman, the score has been collectively it's been one hundred and one to one hundred mm. in OU's favor. I think we buck the trend. I really do. I hope so. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, and I know you. I, Trust me, I know your scores. I think the ingredients are there for that to happen. I know I your scores know aren't reflective of, you know, any sort of like, oh, you know, oh, you sucks or anything like that. I know it's more reflective of this is a team that we have notoriously struggled against in the last six years. I just want to get through the game with a win and, and stay healthy and, not a ton of and move on. To, move That's on. To now you you were you were quoting actually the the Big Twelve championship that was twenty seven twenty one. Because in the regular season, we lost. we lost 30 to 37. But if you'll remember, we had a drop deep well, ball. Well, that was a Rattler. With Rattler, yeah. a great throw that was just dropped, which would have been um, a, a game a game tying touchdown where we were really coming along at the, at the very end. But to, I the, think, the, the point Weiss. you're making yeah. that we have struggled, we have not put up the points against them that we've put up against other teams. But of course, that's different regimes and different talent levels in both cases on um, both sides of the ball. I think Iowa State, by and large, is not as strong today as they've been at any point in the last four years. So I, I think we have the opportunity. I'm, I think we're rightfully a 20-point favorite or, or so, 20-and-a-half-point favorite. I think we're that much better than them and can do it. I mean, that, that, they might score three points. 
They might. And we might cover the 20. And we might it cover might the 20. It might be 24 to 3. Well, and, and, or, or we might put up a lot of points. Things might click for us and, and things are working. I think that's kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a real test of where are we and where can we get as an offense. Can we put up the points we're supposed to put up against the team? What is the over-under? I didn't see what it was. It's, it's probably somewhere in the 50s. So we're supposed to put up quite a few points against them, probably somewhere in the 30s. 48 and a half. 48 and a half. That's pretty low. That's pretty low. Um, so, we, if we, you know, so if we can put up something in the 30s, then we're outperforming a little bit, according to that. Um, but that, that's probably what it takes for us to cover. That or a game where our defense is just phenomenal. And like you say, Jay, we're winning 24 to 3, and we're just barely covering the spread by the hair of our chinny-chin-chins. Well, they might play phenomenal, too, like I said, and, and give us short fields or, or defensive touchdowns. Yeah, a lot of things can happen that, that are yeah, just so basically put us in the, that 40s. the over-under in the, the line itself is having us, what, at 35 to 14 would be around the score that right, yep. they're predicting. That's the implied score. So. Yeah. so scoring in the 30s, so it's not that hard to either fall short of that and you guys are right or, or do a little bit better and, and we're right. So we're, we're not laughable. I don't think, but but we'll see. Um, we'll see all of that. We'll be back for a a good post game pod where hopefully we're celebrating a great victory as we get ready for what is the biggest challenge in the entire season that is against Texas. Until then, Boomer Sooner. Sooner.